0: Thanks again, mate, for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time out to come and talk to, talk to us on the Crown of Command, and and we just had a little chat before about, you know, your videos and the, how successful it's been. Mm-hmm. And, um you know, I'm just really happy for you, mate. Honestly, like after the first video you did and then you said, I'm not going to do it anymore and you're going to pull it off and then you came back again for a sort of revenge, uh, you know, uh, run it uh, making some videos and th- thankfully you did that because yeah I think everybody who's who's watched your stuff on YouTube has been really impressed with the quality and the content that you're putting out there for second edition 40k so yeah
1: oh thank you uh yeah it's been a bit of a journey I think um and I've learned a lot that um has been quite useful to me really just in terms of being creative um and I went about doing those videos last year, probably in the wrong way. And in the last month, I've just kind of reflected on that and just and I had a completely different approach. And I think I've, I think I've done six or seven videos like in the past five weeks, whereas the first two videos that I did about ten months ago, you know, they took me about four or five weeks at a time to to produce. Um, and I think the main thing is really just um, just work with what you have. Uh, don't be a perfectionist, um, and just uh, just have a go and accept that it's part of a process. Finished is better than perfect. Like all those kind of things. Like there's loads of advice about it out on on YouTube. I'd say the biggest thing is actually um, I had an SLR. I had a had a, a sort of digital SLR uh, that that is not really supposed to be used for shooting video uh if you do it for longer than 10-15 minutes they tend to overheat um mm. and, and and you know it's it's a sort of starter camera had a stock lens it's actually the the camera that i don't know if you've heard of midwinter minis he yep. did a he did a really good video actually maybe a couple of years ago now because i think so many people were asking what kit are you using what are you doing how do you, how do you produce these videos uh and he talks about his lights he talks about his audio setup and he talks about his camera and he started with one of these um uh canon i think they're called like. Canon Rebels, I think in the in the, in the US is what they call. They call something else in Europe, um, and they're old cameras. And to be honest with you, how he managed to produce good content with with that camera is is beyond me. But all the other advice that he gave was really solid. I um I came back to the came back to doing this uh, channel because I noticed in March or April there was suddenly this huge spike in interest you know essentially just being dormant just sat there on youtube doing nothing really you know a few hundred views um few comments a couple of subscribers just nothing else really going on and uh, there was this big spike in views and lots of comments and lots of people saying oh it's such a shame that um this didn't uh this didn't take off like it'd be good to know you know how you're getting on what's your progress uh, and, and I did finish the, the retro restoration project. I did paint up all of the, uh, second ed minis, but I'd sort of ported it all over to Instagram because I just found it a bit easier, a bit more convenient. Um, but the interest was such, I thought, you know what, why don't I just do a really short video, just kind of bringing people up to speed and just showing them all the stuff that I did, just showing them the terrain, the orcs, the, the space Marines, and just kind of showing them that the process just so that they've got, got some closure, I suppose. Um, and. Uh, And it was so easy to shoot that. It took me probably like an hour to get all the footage. (laughs) And then I sat down to edit it. And I had, if I gained anything from the experience of making those first two videos last year, I had actually learned a lot about how to use Premiere Pro, which is not a particularly user-friendly program. But I've retained a lot of that knowledge. And I edited the whole thing in like an hour or two. And And then just put this thing out. And got way more um, reception and attention than than I ever got for this these things that I just like slaved over for for weeks at a time. And then I thought, and I had COVID. I just come back from India. My wife had been doing a yoga course out there, and so I had a week off work. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't particularly sick, but I couldn't go in. So I was like, oh, I'll do another one. I'll do some sci-fi cacti. And I took a bit of inspiration from, from your your ca- cacti. Yeah. And get and again, that picked up, picked up, and I was like, okay right well why don't I do why don't I do a battle report and then, and it sort of took off from there and i I started to find through doing that I found my voice, and I think that's the big thing about about social media and being creative on YouTube is finding like your identity and finding something that scratches an itch for you personally like you find your joy in it but also resonates with other people who are going to encourage you and kind of spur you on and and with every video I, I I take something new away. I'll tweak something. I'll be like, I can prove my audio. I could fiddle around with my camera settings on my phone. I don't know if I mentioned I am just using my phone. It's like a Pixel seven camera uh Google phone. Uh and it shoots way better um way better uh video than, than that SLR ever could. And it's just yeah, it's easy peasy. It's good.
0: Yeah, mate, I, I think that's great advice. I, I did everything through my phone, from my iPhone, from the very start. Mm. <clears throat> I don't have I don't have the $2,000 to splash out on a SLR. No. And I don't think I ever will. So uh, I always say to people, you know, look at uh, I, I got an iPhone 12, which I film through now for my battle reports and everything like that. I mean, that's mm. got a fantastic camera on it. It's brilliant. And it's got the, yes. the right capacity to store all the videos and content I've got on there as well. So... And I can mm. I I used to edit everything through my phone before I had my PC. I used to edit everything on iMovie. Wow in the early days. Yeah. And that's how I used to, that's how I started. And it's a great learning process like you're going through now. Like, you know, just mm. maybe I wasn't such a perfectionist. Maybe I was just like just happy to get something out that I could, you know, sort of do myself. But yeah. and what you're saying there, what you know, it should resonate with a lot of other people out there too. If you have your own voice or you you think you've got your own sort of niche within the hobby that you want to share with other people Mm -hmm. go and do Mm -hmm. it just start it and people will pick it up and follow it and like it and you know tell you that they they like it and encourage you to keep going and that's that's the main thing isn't it like what we're all doing Yeah. and the people i interview on here a lot uh, come from that same kind of background you know they probably have a regular job they just want to do something with their hobby and they want to share it with other people and get other people inspired and enthused about what they're doing and yeah in turn, they will then say, yeah, great. I think I might start my own Tyranid project or my own Space Bean second edition project and go from there. So it's really mm-hmm. encouraging.
1: You've got to remember that a lot of the, the guys out there that do amazingly tight-looking videos, they come from – a lot of the time they come from production or media. They already have this knowledge built in. Yeah. Like, I think Midwinter Minis was – I think he was very much an audio guy. Like he, I think he did a lot of work in sound and music and things. Um, MS Paints is—I don't know. Have you heard of MS Paints, Josh? No, I haven't. No. Like amazing stuff. Great energy. All very much project-based. Like he's a creative and kind of videographer, so it looks absolutely slick. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So I think you just got to just got to bear that in mind, and and you know, the more you do it, there's only one way to get better at this stuff. And it's just to kind of do it incrementally. Like I haven't got my audio dialed in at all in my videos. I I'm just kind of trying something slightly different every time and just trying to retain that retain that information. I've got like a little notebook of stuff in it, like, oh yeah, these settings, try these settings. Mm. Uh some sometimes I, I try and follow the, follow my own advice and it sounds different every time. And I'm I'm just trying to figure it out really. But but we're getting there. Like I think so long as so long as there's something in every video that you do. It's, it's the same with painting minis, isn't it? As long as yep. there's something that you've done, either tried differently or you can look at it and be like, okay, maybe, maybe objectively the whole thing isn't better than the last one, but I can point to that bit of it and say, actually, that is better. Yeah. That, that aspect of it is better. That's new.
0: Yeah. Yep. no, that's good, mate. It's, it's it's um, like I said, very encouraging for people who want to do it themselves and start their own YouTube channel and share their content. It's it's great mm. to see you you did it from from scratch and just sort of started and and here you are now with, uh, what was it, um, 15,000 views on your latest video, which is amazing. You know, you're know, you sort of beating the algorithms. Thank you very much. That's, that's great,
1: mate. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Congratulations. Uh, you, I don't know how you did it. You, you, you need to effects. work for me.
0: I need to hire you, I think, Ed, actually, <laughs> to make my videos.
1: <laughs> yeah, you and Carnifex have a bit of a vendetta against the uh, the YouTube algorithm, don't you? It's like a, like a, some sort of conspiracy. It is.
0: It's a conspiracy. I, they're all working against me. I don't know why, but um, it doesn't matter. I think
1: like, it's... You, um, yeah. I think it's consistency, actually. I think that's what, what it likes, is the consistency. I don't have too much of a problem of, of um, videos that I like popping into my feed either. I think that's because I, you know, on Instagram, there's a tendency, you, you follow thousands of people or you can, you can end up following hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people on Instagram, yeah. and it all gets a bit lost. I find that YouTube's a bit like, I suppose it's a bit like a streaming service. You wanna keep your, you wanna keep your channels low, like, I think I only probably follow about 10, 20 different, different channels, um, just so that I've kind of got eyes on them the whole time and and I don't, and I don't miss anything and I, or, or I, or they're kind of at the front of my mind. So I keep going back and checking seeing if they've done anything new. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think just, into, I just wanted to talk a bit about the, like the content and Please do. how yeah. I came up with it and why I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I've I've been I've definitely been your kind of um, like your basic Warhammer millennial guy in his guy in his mid thirties disposable income um, following all the latest trends the latest armies um, kind of pushing into the tournament scene all that all that kind of stuff and I think what I'm doing at the moment is actually just kind of finding rediscovering the joy and the simplicity of the hobby. And part obviously there's a the whole nostalgia thing, but part of going back in time to the to this kind of '90s era that we that we love is that it's in stasis, it's static now, it's not going anywhere, it's not that's going right. to change, it's that's right, it's not going to u- upset or surprise us. Yep, exactly. Um, and uh, and it's unfinished business as well, isn't it? Like, absolutely. There was so much from that time that I wanted to do, and I either didn't have the have the skills, like either the like the motor skills or the or actually just the kind of i suppose you know we've all done a lot of us have done project management and like know how to juggle lots of different plates to mix my metaphors um and uh and it's it's quite surprising if i apply those skills i can basically um attain the dreams that my 10 year old self had uh and also find joy in things that I I wasn't interested in either. Like, I had no interest in Warhammer fantasy. I had no interest in, in space orcs or anything like that. But now, years later, I look at it and think, oh actually that's pretty cool. I'm <laughs> kind of into that. So um yeah and and also in terms of what I wanted what I think is worth sharing. You know, I'm not i I'm not a painter like like yourself. I'm not I'm not gonna be um throwing out this kind of incredible heavy heavy metal style paint jobs. So why try and emulate that? Particularly, it doesn't it doesn't bring me the kind of enjoyment that that um, that it does for for really good painters. Um, I like seeing stuff get done, and I like stepping three feet away from the table and being like, "I've done all this now. I can play with it. I can put it in the cabinet." Um, it's that kind of like that collective sort of vignettes of miniatures all in a battle pile or all lined up in your deployment zone that's that's the look that i like um maybe just save that that arduous process for like your individual character models and stuff like that
0: no that's fair enough i think
1: i think that's half the half the
0: battle and i think you picked up on there like it's unfinished business because Mm. A lot of us, when we were younger, we were just sort of just just getting into the hobby and trying to figure out painting and how to get stuff looking as good as what it was in the White Dwarves and heavy metal Mm. articles and that kind of thing. And there were things like, you know, we didn't actually have terrain, you know, we played on the floor, you know, it's it's kind of like we're coming back, you know, 20, 30 years later and then sort of reliving our our sort of hobby hobby passions or hobby projects we sort of really wanted to do when we were younger. We couldn't do it then, but now we're doing it now. We're sort of filling that mm. promise, saying, okay, now I can actually finish that army. I can make the terrain now. I can have that table that I've always wanted and and enjoy my hobby.
1: Yeah. the uh, I don't think Games Workshop made it that easy at the time either. It was very uh, abstract in the way that they delivered information. That's something they're doing brilliantly now, you know, I think. The contrast paints the 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 tutorials, the the knowledge and information that is out there is actually giving new hobby hobbyists the skills and the information that they need to be able to deliver on these kind of grand plans that that we made, uh, you know, nearly thirty years ago now. Um, I uh, yeah, in that Tiran video originally I was going to do a bunch of gene sealers as well in it as well, but time was time was against me so i didn't do it but i looked uh, a pdf of one of the heavy metal painting guys because i thought it'd be cool if i could do a a proper uh gene Steeler paint scheme from the time from the from space hog and that guide it was just bizarre and i don't know what it was about the time <laughs> like you know we talk about edge yeah. highlighting and washing and i it was the vocabulary not existent at the time or w- was everyone just kind of doing their own thing. I, I don't know what, what what it was, but I, I thought it's telling me the colours to use, but it's certainly not telling me anything else of <laughs> any value whatsoever.
0: I've actually got I've got your screen open now on your Tyranid video and I know you're using a lot of contrast paints. Mm, mm. And that that has changed painting forever. I mean for, for yeah. c- certain people and, and I think a large aspect of people in the hobby nowadays. Mm-hmm they're not going to paint the traditional way. They're going to use contrast paints to achieve, you know, pretty good results. And I'm looking at the, you know, the Turn of Warriors and the Against you're painting up there now. Mm. Um, and they look fantastic. You know, that you know, you don't have to spend hours and hours and hours to achieve these sort of uh results that you found in you know online or in magazines or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> you can achieve very good results very quickly with these new, the new technology they have in paints.
1: The the new new contrast paints, the the kind of second wave of them, are the coverage is so good on some of them that they're almost like base coat light, I think. Like I think the, the first generation of contrast paints were very contrasty.
2: Yeah.
1: And very very light on the uppermost edges. Have you have you played around with any of these? Not tried one of know? them yet,
0: mate. Not tried any of them. Mm. So I'm I'm waiting for the Vallejo Express paints to hit Japan. Mm-hmm. And once they do, I'll I'll order a batch of those, or I might have order them overseas or whatever, and just give them a go because I'm I'm sort of curious about them.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it ended up taking forever for me anyway because I I did the contrast flesh terrors red uh, base coat, and I thought you know this would actually look better with a traditional edge highlight, <laughs> and then it ended up building up anyway. So it was a bit of a was a bit of a slog. One thing I would say is yeah, probably still keep away. From doing large panel surfaces like the land speeder, happy with the land speed. I think it looks. I'm pretty, yeah. pretty pleased with it. Yeah, mainly the aesthetic actually. And I, I was going to mention the banner, Josh. The banner tutorial. Oh yes, that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, mate. You, so mate. so helpful.
0: Yeah, wonderful. Thank you very much for your mentions too to my channel. It's it's very kind of you. You, you didn't have to do that, but thank you very much for that, Ed. I really appreciate
1: it. It's mate. Pleasure. You yeah. know, I think probably the most useful piece of advice in that video is just you you talked probably about the two minutes about patience and about coming back to it and then doing another coat and then putting them aside and how you might have several banners on the go and you might just pick one up one evening and that's so helpful because there's so many tutorials out there which will absolutely show you the right way how to do it and you can watch how the artist is moving their brush and you can pay attention to the consistency of the paint and watch it flow and all that kind of stuff is great but not not very many of them really emphasize the, the patient i think it probably took me about two and a half hours doing that just kind of finding mm-hmm. this zen this zen zone just yeah. layering it on <laughs> had a podcast on it was really nice <clears throat> um that's, that's good but and even then i was like i could i could do some more layers i i could bring this up a little bit i i sort of looked at my my watch and I was like, i need to edit this thing it's time to stop it's time to cool time on this banner
0: yeah i was really impressed with with the banner you did it was great really really nice mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and banners are really difficult because you're working with a 2d surface it's not like a, a 3d model it's you know you are creating your own sort of little mini painting in a way you know what i mean yeah yeah. Um, so it's, it can be very daunting. That's why the black and white uh, photocopied, etched uh, pages in the in the codexes or the army books are really great. So people can just photocopy them, varnish them, and paint mm. them straight over. But if you're creating one from from scratch, it's really difficult. So I really admire anybody who, who actually attempts to do something like that. It's really quite difficult yeah. to master yeah. that. So it does I take just patience. Love the-
3: yeah, for sure
1: i love the look they look absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. those those paper banners when you do them right it's so satisfying to do have you seen my um the bad moon boss banner
0: yes uh, i did
1: yep I yeah. it on instagram yep nice the uh i think it's in it's, it's in one of the uh kind of Road trader Orc books maybe like what wider walks or whatever and there's there's pages and pages of these just really out there banner designs and the page for the bad moons you know all their all their knobs in in mega armor, and they've all got the back banners on. Yep. And there's a great there's a great one which I'm really looking forward to doing. There's a like a, 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 a mad doc or one of their doctors. Yep. And um, his banner is uh, is a is that half crescent moon, but like wrapped in bandages. It's just so oh, brilliant, so fun, and I yeah can't wait to have a go at doing that.
0: Yeah, I think the orcs for me, because I've never collected orcs back in the day. I think they've just been a revelation for me because it's that whole hobby painting aspect of them, which Mm -hmm. you know definitely surpasses any other army I can think of in 40k to do. Because every clan is different; they've got different color schemes, they've got different banners. You can really go wild Mm -hmm. with with all of them. They're just wonderful. So I'm so glad to have found them now.
1: Yeah, yeah, your bad moons look phenomenal. Uh so good. Thank Thank they're so good. And and actually yeah. from a competitive standpoint, like looking through the the, the old second ed codex, like, is there really any other clan that you want to be taking <laughs> These are <laughs> so good. You know, they're yeah. they're boys, you can just tool them up with plasma guns, you know, they get all the best all the best kit. Um, you know, they've got their, their mega armor knobs. Has just uh, the the goths are supposed to be ferocious and vicious, but they're they're rubbish, aren't they? They're not really very <laughs> good. Sorry, I, 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 might, I, might be just, yeah. I might just be channeling, um, channeling yeah. the video. That, I think by the time that this airs, my latest video will be coming out. And so I'm awesome. a bit sore, bit sore about this latest battle. Report. <laughs> but I, I, yeah. I do seem to remember you having a discussion with another guest about, about orcs. And I think the, the conclusion was that actually they're quite a good shooting army. Mm. I think it maybe maybe it was from one of the Bring and Battle mm. guys actually that the orcs are really good at shooting. Oh Richard. And good yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I lo- love love their content as well. That's really yeah, fun.
0: they're
4: fantastic. Great guys, yeah. yeah. Very good. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> um I uh I think we've sort of jumped ahead, haven't we? Because I haven't done my um I haven't done my origin story.
4: Yes, I know. Well,
0: yeah, I know.
2: <laughs> you've been a great guest, Ed. You've
0: been talking a lot. That's fantastic. I, I always, oh. always worry that people won't talk enough, so that's great. So, yeah, tell us, how, how did you get into the hobby? Like what was the first conceptual moment where you found something that was related to wargaming
1: or miniatures? I'm quite cautious about these stories because I think that they're, they're always really interesting to the person telling them. But they might not yeah, good. yeah. <laughs> I remember, I, you, know, you know, the gap, like everyone has the yeah. gap between yeah. like, you know, a teenage years, I wasn't on any kind of forums and I didn't really talk to anyone about it. So when I went into a GW store and, like, told, told this manager about the gap, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was, like, such a fascinating, interesting anecdote to tell him, and then years later, I'm like, oh, my God, he must have heard that a thousand times. <laughs> um, but anyway, I so I was quite young, actually. I think I was probably about eight or nine years old, um, and I was was doing scale models with my dad. My dad was really into his kind of military model kits like Tamiya and, and Airfix and things like that. He was also really into uh like aviation as well. Like I don't I don't know if you've um heard of like Robert Taylor paintings, but there's a you know there's a whole kind of artistic movement in uh in aviation. Um all these pictures are kind of Mustangs and B17s and things like that. And he had these fantastic prints. Usually signed by the pilots as well, and they were all up at, up all over the house. So there was always this kind of sense of this mystique about vehicles and and machinery, but presented in this like uh, amazing uh, acrylic on board kind of way, which you know, obviously is a bit of a connection with with Games Workshop there. And um, my dad works kind of in the automotive industry. Uh, we we lived in Germany for a while, and he w- he worked for Audi um, as a place called Ingolstadt, which I think that the locals call Audi town. And we were in a model shop uh, in Munich. And amongst all this fantastic scale model stuff, you know, all these, um, all these tanks and their drab colours, and they're covered in weathering powder and all this kind of stuff really kind of grim and dirty and realistic. uh, There's a box of Space Marines, the Devastator box. I don't, know, I don't know what sort of era it is, but you don't see it about much, but it was actually like a black rimmed, black paneled kind of box with the Devastators on it in ultramarine colors. And that really resonated with me. And I think obviously something was said and it, you know, it, was, it was noted. And my brother and I received a box of the, those plastic Imperial Space Marines. And then it kind of took off from there. And then one Christmas, we got the, uh, the Second Ed starter box. Um, And I was probably about nine or 10 at the time. Um, And yeah, I I basically thumbed through those pages of the rulebook and war gear and codex Imperialis. I was more fascinated, I think, with the artwork, and the just the general mystery of it than I was with, um, with the miniatures per se, I just I think a lot, of, I've spoken to a lot of people about this now, and it's a similar kind of experience for people with D&D source books when they're kids, like maybe their older brother or sister like had a copy and um, and you're a little kid looking at this thing. Oh, what are you doing? And, and th- thumbing through and there's such an aura of like the fact that it's impenetrable and the fact that it's not actually for you is what makes it amazing. <laughs> um, and And also like now I can look back, and sort of think, oh, yeah, I kind of understand the etymology of all these things, that, that there's, there's a heap of artwork in those, um, in those little books, from before, from Road Trader, from, uh, from Epic, from Space Hulk, and all the supplements, so they, they, they were drawing on all this back catalogue, and then they sort of dumped it all and cropped a lot of the images as well into this, into these texts. So, but I didn't know that. So to me, it was just this incredibly vivid. And the artists were they had this shared vision, which didn't necessarily even correlate that much, you know. So you could almost believe that the Imperium really is a million worlds. And there really are all these these different interpretations. And on one page it's kind of quirky and a bit whimsical and a bit silly. With the orcs there, and then you turn another page, and then suddenly you're, you're thrown into cosmic horror with Tyranids, and then you turn over another page, and and then you, there's all this horrible stuff about demons and Adrian Smith's work there, which is really macabre and horrific, and, you, and it's just it doesn't really marry up, and I don't think I don't think very many modern games publishers or studios would really countenance that kind of thing. They're like, we need a shared vision, we need a shared we need to all be kind of singing off the same song sheet here, you know, to the point where they don't, where they don't even say the names of the artists. And I and I could see the reason for that. It's all well and good, but um, there was just this sort of mystery and magic to me about about that, particularly. And I just wanted to know, wanted to know more. Um, it turns out that actually, that was there wasn't actually a great deal underneath the surface in terms of backstory and. And law and things like that. It was just a you know, it was just a group of people just kind of making stuff up as as they go along. Whereas now they've fleshed all that out, haven't they? Which I think is a bit of a shame in some respects.
0: Yeah, but I don't know, I don't know what what's happened with it now. So I, I think I talked to somebody about it the other day that um, I don't know much about the law of forty K. And I, I wasn't mm. a big forty K player back in the day. It's on the epic space marine that really dragged me into the 40k universe, and I just Mm. read Bill King's story about the Emperor versus Horus and Sanguinius, and that was it. Mm. I was sold on the whole story. Like you know, he just encapsulated everything I needed to know. Just that one moment in the in the in the Horus Heresy that sort of just captured everything, and I was just, yep, that's cool. I'm really happy about that. I'm I'm sold on it now. I just want to get into it now. So
4: yeah. Um, definitely
0: i think that's all we really to need need to know i think they should they should have kept that should have kept things more of a mystery and i don't know what they've done to you know resolve things you know, in the in the canon or whatever but yeah they should just keep things a lot lot of things open so they should just mm-hmm. keep them mysterious and they should never tell yeah
1: them. yeah and even the even the stuff which is a mystery they've dropped so many hints and oh, have they? Uh, allu- allusions to stuff like Around you know, there's like this sort of bubble of space. Let's take the um, the two the two lost Space Marine legions for example, which probably because they just couldn't be bothered to think of another. Like we thought of eighteen. Uh, let's let's go to the pub. Um, <laughs> there's a kind of there's a kind of aura of mystique yeah. around it. But but all of this information and all of these hints and all of these different writers have kind of come up with over the years. There's now very little space, I feel like, around the outside of it. I mean, we kind of know, I think we know that the Space Wolves were involved because of all this talk about how they're the, you know, they're the Wolves of the Emperor. So, you know, they were a a Space Marine Legion that was founded, designed really to be ultra loyal and to to deal with any other Space Marine Legions if they fell out of step. And then there's another bit of law, which people talk about as well, which is, you know, the the space force are there to to do, to to um destroy a legion, but the dark angels are there to um erase it from the annals of history kind of thing. And so like, okay, well, you've told us two very big things there, and then and then there's a you know, there's other stuff out there as well. So obviously that like whets appetites and is kind of interesting, but uh I don't know if you've heard of the this idea of like Doyle-esque and Watsonian. Uh kind of interpretations of things like um so obviously Sherlock Holmes um is all told from Watson's perspective. Uh whereas Sir Arthur Conan Doyle is the guy writing this. So Watson has a very good reason for everything and a very good reason for interpreting things as they are. Whereas Conan Doyle is like, well, you know, I need to wrap this chapter up or I need to kill this character. The, the the reason is going to be less compelling and less interesting mm. but um but people are just like obsessed with this watsonian um reasoning behind everything even when you know in in terms of the epic stuff well we can't we haven't really got enough budget or time to create this whole other race or line of miniatures so let's just have space Marines versus space marines, shall we and that's really where it all comes from yeah. And it, and I think that just rather undermines this like universe that people take so seriously now. <laughs> yeah, um, and they're kind of the custodians of. But you know, there we go. I, I would, I would say to, you know, on that point, like Horus Heresy is very cool. I was really into it for four or five yeah. years.
4: Yeah,
1: um, and and actually, that was it was kind of what drew me um back into Old Hammer because I. Uh, I had a couple of, I collected word bearers and I had two uh, original land raiders, right. which I sort of chaosified and two of the original predators as well with the kind of dome turrets, which yes. I just think are Lovely. Beautiful. unbelievably cool. Yeah. yeah. Which I got rid of, which I sold. and oh. um,
3: You break my what heart. What an
1: idiot. You yeah. Break
3: my
4: heart,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Never mind. Um, yeah so sorry i went on a bit of a tandem there but i uh yeah and, and um i was super into second edition
2: mm.
1: and i remember always being a bit frustrated with the uh, and, and people call me out on this you know that my bases are all just like kind of like this dark blue kind of slightly urban color I won't ever do Goblin Green bases. I'm really sorry. I think lots of people are just going to like. It hey, really breaks my heart now, Ed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People are just going to like throw their phones or whatever they're <laughs> listening to right now on the floor. Just, oh my god, who is this guy? Why don't we let him in? Yeah. Uh, but the the reason for that is is that like I've just banged on about the aesthetic that like Mark Gibbons and John Blanche and Adrian Smith. I'm pretty sure that they weren't <laughs> doing those. Those images with goblin green bases, <sighs> and that, you know. I, I'm I'm mean, Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the mar- so the Mario, Mario wanted- World of Golf, the, go- the the Mario
0: World Golf Course of the 40 <laughs> k <40K laughs> Millennium. Yeah. So yeah, I know. Yeah. You if
1: you put if you put any of those species or factions on <laughs> on that Mario cor- cor- world, it would not. It would not be very <laughs> green and uh, beckoned for very long, would it? Um, okay, yeah. So, so- imagine, like
0: Elder Exodites riding Yoshi's. I mean, that's. You know that's where it's at, really. That's on the crazy, Mario, yeah. you know, you know Yoshi from Mario. Yeah, yeah,
1: I know Yoshi. Yeah, he's great.
0: I'm sort of being re-educated. With my son, he's playing all the Mario games now. I never played them back in the day, but Yoshi is like that. Um, is like a li- big lizard ca- kind of character, very cute, big bug-eyed, and... very,
1: very sticky tongue.
0: Yeah, very sticky tongue, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, so I can just imagine the exodite, the elder exodites riding those on the uh, on the Mario world. Golf course yeah. in the 40k grim dark uni- universe. So, as,
1: as you speak, Josh, there's someone like loading up a CAD design now <laughs> to 3D print that, and there. I bet, I bet. We'll, we'll see that see that on the uh, work in progress section of Crown of Command Discord very soon. We'll be all for that. <laughs>
0: Anyhow, Ed, we're just almost out of time, mate. Today, so I think I just want to really thank you from on behalf of myself and the Crown and Command community for all the work you're doing behind the mm-hmm. scenes, creating all this wonderful content for us to enjoy. And uh, have a great day, mate. Take care of yourself.
1: Yeah, it's a pleasure, Josh. Really, really good to meet you. And uh, yeah, thanks for your time. Okay, mate.
0: Thank you. Bye bye.
1: Bye bye.
5: okay here we go uh hello everyone this is chris Snyder. this is probably going to be on the crown of command uh podcast so if that's where you're listening to this then it worked uh (laughs) i am joined today by my good friend from germany andreas
3: hey chris
5: and today we're going to be talking about i guess a lot of things but for the most part I think our conversation is going to focus in on campaigns playing
4: uh playing games in a, in a campaign style. Um now I think maybe before we start, I don't know, we should do some kind of an introduction uh
5: so that anybody who's out there if they don't already know you, um could just learn a little bit about you.
3: Yeah. Okay. I'm Uh, fine with that.
5: Yeah. Now I I got, I'm going (laughs) to segue here for a second. I had this idea some time ago about recording several different um, podcast episodes where I would interview people and Uh just kind of, you know, talk about not not just their origin stories, but like just get kind of get to know what kind of a gamer everybody is and like what projects they're working on. And uh, you know, just like really, what they're into. And mm-hmm. I, in my mind, I had this idea that I was going to begin these episodes by telling the guest what I think I know about you.
4: Well, that's fine. Okay, that's that's fine. Why not?
5: That had getting to know you, and then you can <laughs> like retort that and say that is way wrong. You know, or <laughs> or expand on it a little bit more. Okay. So
4: okay, sure.
5: I guess rather than introduce allowing you to introduce yourself, I'm gonna introduce you based on what I think I know about you.
3: Yeah, so, it sounds um, like a lazy lazy time for me. That's good.
4: Yeah, there we go. There you go. Sure. <laughs> so um you are on Discord
5: and your screen name that you use, um, yeah. how do you pronounce that? Is it uh Marcia. Okay, M O S H A yeah yeah okay um now i the way i first met you was i think i had popped into painting chat one day and you were there and it was my first time i i didn't even know much about the discord channel at the time and we just kind of got talking about uh you know painting and our hobby and and things and and i think you brought up that you were um somehow we got talking about man of war And I said, hey, let's, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm want to try out this whole uh, remote gaming thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. And we played a a game of Man of War. And Mm -hmm. then I think since then, you and I have played a bunch of things. We played Space Hulk. Yeah. uh, Blood
4: Bowl. Blood
5: Bowl. We played a lot of Warhammer Quest. Oh, we played, we've also played a lot of games of, um, on your end uh warhammer yeah,
4: fantasy yeah yeah yeah
5: yeah so anyway right. uh, i feel like i've like you and i have had a lot of contact just you know talking and chatting and, and things and and i feel like i know a little bit about your life and sometimes we complain about our work and
3: uh, <laughs> other things <laughs> yeah, we,
5: we send pictures of like family vacations that we're on and yeah you know ask painting advice and, and all this stuff so um oh we talked about uh podcasts we listen to and we i know right. we, both, uh, we both like uh i know you're into metal you're a, a sure a metalhead <laughs> and we talked about that and
2: uh you like mysteries and i like mysteries
5: and, and we just on the Columbo and, and
3: Yeah, old TV shows.
5: <laughs> old TV shows, right, that we like. So <laughs> so yeah, I feel like we, you and I have, have a lot in common. You remind me very much of my high school best friend, and I think maybe that's why I feel like I've known you longer than I have. But,
3: oh that's a cool compliment.
4: <laughs> <yeah>. Thanks.
5: <laughs> so anyway, anything else you want to add to to you and what you uh, what you're into? As well as hobby yeah. or what anything.
3: Yeah, concerning hobby, yeah, I'm mostly a Warhammer fantasy player. Like, I've never played any of these, let's call them um, side games, before, except for one or two games of of uh, of Blood Bowl. Um, But that's already like almost twenty years ago. And I think I once tried Necromunda on a on a con, but yeah. But that's about it, and so it's really, really, really interesting to learn about all these um, other systems um, GW released uh, during the '90s. Mm-hmm. And so far, I really enjoy playing them. It was it was a lot of fun.
5: Mm-hmm. I yeah. also want to ask you about what your current gaming situation is like, and I'm specifically thinking. I know you've sent I've seen pictures of. The gaming club that you yeah that you're yeah. part of, and yeah. that kind of resonates with me because that's how I got my start in gaming was at a uh, kind of a game store but more of a game club. You know mm-hmm. where, where people would just get together. Can you tell mm-hmm. me a little bit about what you're playing there, who you're playing with, and what that's like?
3: Yeah, sure. Um, the gaming club I play in is um, located in a. In, uh, the city very close to where i live and um i i actually founded this club (laughs) or co-founded it yeah um, about i think in 2010 or 2011 and we started off with uh three people uh we decided yeah let's let's do that and we were like three people who invested heavily in, in getting a room and contacting people, and all of a sudden we were like twenty people, and yeah, this this keeps going and new people are coming in. Some are leaving, some are coming. I've remained there since the beginning, wow. so wow. yeah, yeah. It was basically uh, Warhammer Fantasy and 40k in the beginning, but then um, other games are also played. Like I'd say, like a lot. A lot of people there play um, Dystopian Wars at the moment, which is, is also a fleet game, but, yeah, with with zeppelins and flying air carriers and stuff like that.
5: <laughs> now, the reason I bring it up is because I think, and I don't know if you would agree, do you think that that, uh, that kind of helps you see Games in more of a, a narrative campaign style, as opposed to, um, I, I guess, I should explain what I'm talking about. So, mm-hmm. th- there are those who don't have a game club that, that they don't yeah. have a regular place that they can go often. Yeah. So, their yeah. gaming experience tends to revolve around
4: uh, mm-hmm. gaming events, mm-hmm. uh,
5: you know, conventions, one time things yeah. where they're playing with people they don't know. You know, they're playing with strangers, and
4: mm-hmm. yeah, that, it's, it's...
5: my mind seems to lend itself more towards like organized play, where mm-hmm. there, it's more structured to say like, mm-hmm. these are the parameters of what you're going to bring. And the game that you're going to play is just kind of a vanilla, uh, you know, game, and it's more of a tournament type uh competitive. Yeah. Yeah, that's
3: like an all-comers game, yeah. Like, okay, you you never know. You you go there and you have like a, you maybe there's a club where you agreed on kind or or a game store where you kind of agreed on well. Usually, if I come with, I say a two thousand points army, there will probably be somebody there with a two thousand points army too, and we can have a play. And yeah, I I guess that that's 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 right. When when you say that um, a club definitely helps when you are trying to set up things that are like a narrated c- campaign or or maybe also a a map based campaign um because of course you need you need a lot of terrain you need uh maybe space to store away stuff or put away for a week or so yeah that's so true, that yeah. definitely helps yeah sure yeah.
5: yeah okay well anyway um so t- we're going to be talking you know about campaigns and the idea and when you first presented the, uh, the the idea to me and you mentioned well even just the mention of the word campaign uh, mm-hmm. several thoughts kind of came into my mind of what it, what that means and i mm-hmm. think maybe i don't know if you were thinking something different than i was thinking and that kind of goes to show that you know maybe maybe different people see a campaign as as a different thing
4: yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's it's so uh, a lot of different kinds of
5: you. What are you? What, what comes to your mind?
3: Yeah, for me, it's it's rather like the narrative aspects. I mean, that's that's maybe because that's what I like the most.
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, far, and I, I have, I contrast mm-hmm. that. I was thinking when you said campaign,
3: mm-hmm.
5: campaign games. I think is what you said. I thought, oh, you mean like like Necromunda or Mordheim or even mm-hmm. Mark Request and Blood Bowl where there mm-hmm. are like rules that are kind of baked into the system
4: mm-hmm. where you
5: play a game and then there's a post-game sequence and mm-hmm. something changes and then the next game. Um, and I suppose that, you know, that can be, uh, you can take that in different ways as well. Um, sure. and, you know, I'm sure we'll talk more about that, but... I guess for this conversation, perhaps your main experience will be campaigns from a a narrative uh setting, and I'm perhaps can chime in with some thoughts that I have towards uh you know more of those oh, i don't know what to call them um you know games that have a pre and post game sequence. Baked Mm -hmm.
3: right into the rules. Yeah, linked together by this uh, post game of yeah, uh, the sequences there uh, in between, kind of uh, where you have to roll on charts to to see if something develops, like like a Bowl team for example, or Necromunda gang or or stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, That really was wasn't like what was my idea of of a campaign, but rather these uh, campaign box sets that were released during the nineties. They are all fantastic and. Um, some of these were not released in Germany or only like um, I think during 6th edition or not at all or only in White Dwarfs so um, when I started playing I I had never heard about these uh, campaigns and yeah. when I found out oh boy <laughs> I was into them so um, I tried to replay some of these and we did and we played um for example um Idol of Gork and The Grudge of Drong and Tears of Aisha and we had so much fun and I thought these campaigns are so uh like well written, enjoyable and I think also they have a high reply value because they are quite from my um yeah, from my personal view they are quite balanced I guess uh and, yeah, generally, well done, and yeah, I wanted more, so <laughs> I thought about, okay, how can I make my own campaign, maybe, so yeah, I started thinking on on yeah, what's important, um how can I make these uh, my personal campaign to be as good as the ones made by g. w long long time ago (laughs) yeah
5: and i'm sure too as you were playing them you could Mm -hmm. identify what you really enjoyed yeah you want to try to recreate that or focus more on that you know or so the limitations like how can we get around some of those um yeah i know for me i i've never played any of those uh box campaigns but um my my initial impression just from just from you know, reading the boxes is. is uh, mm-hmm.
4: oh,
5: do I have to have those armies? You know, do mm-hmm. I have to have specific models? Um,
3: in a way, in a way, yeah. yes. In a way, and yes. Maybe
5: if you were going to create your own campaign, well, then now you have the freedom to just do whatever you want. You know, and
3: exactly <laughs>
5: and modify it to whatever you know, whatever you do
3: have. Yeah, yeah, that's that's also like um, a, could be even a motivation to do a campaign like. If you've built a new uh, regiment and maybe you want to tailor a campaign ab- around this regiment or or a special character you want to use, yep. and you think about, yeah, maybe you look a bit up uh, in Mohammed history, what has happened to this character during his lifetime, his lifetime. And um, yeah, how, that's, for example, I did this with Brom the Paunch. I decided to make a campaign about Grom the Paunch because I had um, repainted and that old model um, on the chariot. Um, it was one of the first models in my collection and it was, barely, it was really badly chipped off and not so well painted so I decided to repaint it I think two or three years ago and I repainted it and I thought well let's it's a bit sad that it's only sitting on the shelf and not getting any action, so I thought about, well, how can I build a campaign around Grom the punch and yeah that was that was really fun so far, but I have to admit that I haven't played the campaign um through yet, so um since then Grom hasn't seen uh uh too much action, yeah. just just you know in a mini game that we included a, we included a chariot race, and there I played of course Grom on his chariot, but he didn't win, unfortunately. <laughs> that hilarious. brings
4: up a couple <laughs> points.
5: One is uh, when, when you look at some more structured games, you know, we, we talked about before, um, you know, organized play. Uh, oftentimes, special characters are forbidden.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: But campaigns are a great way to be able to play with them you know what maybe wouldn't be able to and then it's also i think really cool that you incorporate uh other like multiple games together within a campaign uh and and we can talk more about that later but you know like you said a chariot a chariot game into a um
3: basically more of a fantasy campaign yeah yeah
5: yeah (laughs) and i i know we i've seen before um and I, you and i talked about before incorporating a uh, man of war into a campaign you know where yeah you're looking at it from a big picture and um you know here's this this fleet battle that's going to take place and perhaps that will affect the next upcoming you know battle on on yes the fantasy
4: Yeah, yes. that's
5: a really cool idea
3: yeah Unfortunately, I lost that game too. <laughs> <laughs>
5: well, it's not about winning and losing, right? You had fun, and then, then that's all that matters, I guess.
3: But I mean, I think that helps me as as I wrote the campaign. If I keep losing all the games, at least I uh, no one can say that I like played the games to my uh, my advantage. So that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's
5: true. And you know that brings up a point. I was I've played a lot of games of uh, Space Hulk, uh, mm-hmm. which is a game I really. Like a lot, and I, I play uh remotely, you know of course, and all of those missions all those camp mm-hmm. all or all those games they have a little uh narrative beginning to them you know an excerpt mm-hmm. of, of what happened and
4: yeah
5: um I know like Josh and I have played a lot of games of that, and I think he mm-hmm. mentioned when I talked to him recently about um my winning record. You know, and how many? Which is terrible. I, I've only won like a couple games, and I didn't. Now
3: even, that you mention it, we played yeah, two, and I think you won both, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But thinking, I don't even care. I don't even think about winning
5: <laughs> because oftentimes, if I'm playing the the Gene Stealers, I feel like I'm yeah. more of a like a GM or a yeah. dungeon master. And yeah. I'm just controlling the monsters, but I'm secretly mm-hmm. kind of rooting for the heroes, you know. <laughs> and I just want to see this this narrative play out, you know. And like, I couldn't tell you how many games I won or lost, but I can re- uh, distinctly remember certain key moments, you know, things yeah. that happened when, you know, when that uh, the the the
2: flamer the heavy flavor of Marine had no
5: more
4: yeah uh, ammunition.
5: ammunition and you know was able to club uh a um team stealer you know to, to death. death with yeah. it and that like those things really
4: are important. Yeah.
5: And I think that's yeah. what kinda of gets me excited for the idea. Yeah. yeah. Of, uh, narrative campaigns, you know, where they tell stories.
3: Uh, yeah. Exactly, man. I mean I I can't remember like um a, a, all of my tournament games but i can definitely tell you about all my campaign games i played yeah for sure now what i i told you before that when you said the word campaign it brings
5: certain memories to mind mm-hmm. and another thing when i think of campaign i guess i think of my ro- role playing roots and mm-hmm. i think about like if someone had said oh we're, we're playing a new campaign and i think that means uh okay we're going to be making making a character mm-hmm. or making a war band or whatever mm-hmm. we're going to be playing and there's really no end in sight and
4: mm-hmm. we
5: we have no idea where we're going we're just going to play mm-hmm. everything and kind of see where things go and i guess that's fine as well but there's also campaigns that are very focused
4: and yeah. they
5: follow a progression and they, yeah. they have a beginning and an end uh or a certain time limit of like this is how many games that are going to be involved in this campaign uh, so yeah, you, can we talk more a little bit about some of the different expectations that might go into beginning a campaign and all of the different variables
3: yeah well what I think is, what's important
4: is I think um,
3: now I'm struggling with the name Hey, we can cut it out later.
5: Uh, <laughs> you had <laughs> you an interview with. You, you think any of this is <laughs> going to get edited for real?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, now you had you had the interview with Davide and Tuomas, and I think Tuomas here um, also mentioned like what's important is think about the finale. Yeah, I and agree. that's what I also think, guys. It's really important, like to think how is this campaign going to end? What's the big conclusion? What, something i mean it's building up to something right yes i yeah. mean uh, it, it's got to be it's got to be ending with a big boom or something yeah. maybe it's a yeah i don't know I <laughs> a big boom like you and you and from, from that point course. you can you can like design uh bits like backwards maybe is, is mm-hmm. that, yeah, that's sure. the right ex- expression so well I'm always going back now to the Grand the Ponch example because that's what I have uh that was on my mind recently. And um uh, like when Grand the Ponch um landed with his fleet in Althwan, Um they had that big battle on the plains of um Ah damn it. What is the city called that he attacked? Asking the wrong um, guy <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Well, I I mean that's 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 basically the grand finale of of Grom's uh, war. And um I thought, well, this is going to be the last game, but what's happening before and um how can um the games before affect this final battle? Yep. And that was kind of a tough nut to crack because um uh, yeah, there's, there's, this uh, there's the, um, fourth edition campaign from Pass, which is also dealing with, um, Grom in, um, Grom in Uthuan. But I thought about, I was, I wanted to start also the campaign in the empire because my main uh, opponent was like the empire player. I, I had, I know an empire player who would like to play a campaign with me. So I said, okay, yeah, maybe we can, we can, we can, uh, we can have uh, Grom the Paunch, um, like see the, his, how his wag is, is developing, rushing through the Empire and then determine how strong um, his fleet is. And then in the fleet battle, we'll see what what's going to be left over. And depending on the outcomings of the fleet battle, we'll see how large the army is that is um, attacking um, Othuan.
5: Now are you still envisioning this as a two player campaign or one that's eventually going to change maybe start Yeah, it's
3: it's 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 uh, it's a two player campaign really. Um, but especially for the for the mini game we we picked up other players who who um could also join the chariot race if they'd like and yeah that was also fun. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I am in the position to to own uh a, a high off army and a uh and a big Orc and Goblin army. So for the final battle I'm going to um land my high elves to the Empire player, so he's basically um playing against me like in every game. Okay. Every regular game, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, very good. Uh,
4: yeah. Hmm? yeah, very, very good.
5: It sounds <clears throat> It sounds like a lot of uh, it, it's very. It's good that you have the the models to do that. I, I know I've <laughs> seen a lot of your uh, armies, and it's it's nice to be able to uh, have some options
3: there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I must say, like it's it's going to be like three thousand or three thousand five hundred points. I think we haven't decided yet. Um, so that's quite a lot. <laughs> But of course, the special characters will take away a lot of a lot, lot of the points in these games, because like in, in that finale, we, we're going to have like Grom, and we're going to have Blacktooth on a Woven, and we're going to have Eltharion on the other side on a okay. uh, on a on a Griffin, and yeah, that's that's already quite a lot points wise, yeah. and yeah. It should should feel like a real battle, so we have to add a lot of, um, we have to to put a lot of uh, points on the table in addition to these mods. Yeah, but but I really enjoyed building them.
5: If you're looking at your final battle there and you're kind of working backwards, uh, do you have a path laid out to uh, what other games you're going to be?
4: Yeah. I did
5: yeah. uh, like mm-hmm. how many
3: how many games you're gonna when I say games yeah. I mean uh, Yeah I did Yeah, I, I, I thought about well be really interesting and um yeah I we started off with a siege uh siege on um Middenheim. Mm-hmm. No, on Nown, it was known, it was known and the beginning he was like um was a siege of known. Said, Oh well, um, Grom I, I try to keep Grom out of the campaign until the end, yeah, because for one reason, what would happen if um Grom gets shot in like in the first battle? That would feel like really not so good, I mean, <laughs> so we said like okay let's let's play play a siege like the attack on this I don't know what it was Southgate or something, and there's like grom's uh, um yeah, best buddy Ulgok um, um, Wokbok, I don't know what his name was. Special character <laughs> who is leading that part of the army. And after that, that we said, okay, depending on how that siege goes, the the Empire troops will be like uh, motivated, or um, the the Orcs and Goblins are going to feel like really victorious and strong and they can gain more orcs for their war in the later um, unfolding of the campaign uh, and then we did the chariot race where of course if, if Grom wins he's getting also a bonus for his war and um later later missions and then we did like a a crossing of a of a bridge where the empire general had to prevent additional um orcs and goblins joining uh, Grom's war and what else? Ah, yeah, we we did also a skirmish game with um, where where Groms uh, sent wolf riders to pillage, and there's a ca- an empire caravan, and they are trying to protect um, the, the the caravan from the from the plundering goblins. Yeah, mm-hmm. and depending on how much orcs and goblins and how much plunder grom can gain to build his fleet uh yeah uh, he gets in advance uh, an additional um equipment card for the man of war battle or additional uh, crew for his ship in the sea battle yeah and that was like how we designed it yeah <laughs>
5: so you just kind of i don't know maybe like kind of making it up as you go along as far as like what the benefits are uh, I th-
3: I, th- yeah, I that's,
5: thought that's really awesome long.
3: What what's like? What's too much, and uh, what's definitely not enough? And yeah. you <laughs> you have to like be really, really careful with that because that might really tip the balance too exactly. much in favor of one yeah. or the other side. Yeah, and still, it it should matter somehow in the end because if it doesn't, well, then why all the fuss?
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. I yeah. totally agree.
2: Yeah,
5: I know. I've I've kind of giving some thought to uh, you know any campaign type thing I might want to do at some point in the future. That's definitely a thought that comes to my mind. Is you know like yeah, you want to give some kind of benefit, but uh, you know not to the point where it gets out of control. Um, yeah. One idea that I have have seen i don't know where I saw it it might be the fifth edition uh battle book you know that talks about a campaign um mm-hmm. I kind of like one of the things that they do there is you'll have at the beginning you have certain stipulations or limits on what you can have in your your army at the beginning mm-hmm. of a campaign like maybe mm-hmm. only one war machine or only mm-hmm. one level one wizard yeah uh, and then as you as you win battles um it it just kind of takes some of those limitations away or opens up more possibilities so
4: mm-hmm.
5: um whereas you might start with only being able to have one magic item up to 15 mm-hmm. points and now as you progress
4: as a benefit well now you can have um up to two items and up to uh you know
5: uh, higher points. It, you're not gaining more points. You're you're not your next battle you're gonna you're still gonna have the same uh this equal point army yeah. It's just yeah. now your options are more yeah. open
3: to you. you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. That's 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 uh, really nice that like in Grudge of Drong it works like that if you like um if the dwarf player, like, last the first battle, he was allowed to field just one war machine in the final battle, and if he won, he could field up to five or something like that, so that was, that. that's, like, an example for this uh,
4: um yeah, I think they did this in all
3: of the box campaigns mm-hmm. um, but I might be wrong, but I think um, Tears of Aisha is the only one um, that also included um, a um, a point allowance that you could use during all of the campaign games. Like it was like I think you had an all- each each player had an allowance of and then a uh, five hundred extra points you could um, allocate in in each game like uh, or in in total so. We could say maybe, oh, okay, I'm trying to win that first scenario. I really, really, really want to um, have a northern sea guard in the final battle, for example. And then the high off player might say, okay, I put 250 extra points in the game or in my list. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to win at, at these um, point cost. I think it was just uh, 1,000 or 1,200. The points game then 250 points are quite a lot. Yeah. And but yeah, and maybe like the other player says, Well, I don't know. It's nice to um yeah to 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 have an extra unit in these first games, but in the end it's the final battle that counts. So I'm saving up like, all these 500 points for the final battle. Maybe that, that's also an option. And I thought that gives you an additional like um Possibility to um, for 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 a tactic for 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 stra- uh, for a strategy.
5: Yeah, that's and a really neat thing. It's really yeah. But then yeah. you get you get to weigh the uh, are the benefits from winning each battle.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, is, you know, I,
3: do I, they I outweigh the extra point?
5: So most of these box campaigns, you know, we've been talking about with Tears of Isha and um grudge of drunk they're mm-hmm. mostly well, i think they're all like two-player campaigns yeah um yeah they are. we'd also talked about the possibilities of multiplayer campaigns mm-hmm. and i guess that kind of comes back to what i was originally thinking of you know games like necromunda blood bowl you know you are going to have multiple people playing mm-hmm. in a campaign like that um do you have any ideas or suggestions for playing multiplayer games of a game like Warhammer Fantasy? I I guess like maybe the the, um, the fifth edition book has mm-hmm. some ideas for that, like using a map based.
3: Uh huh. Yeah, map based campaigns can also be really fun, but they are. Um, a bit more free you're you're a bit more free in um, like what you're doing usually mm-hmm. um, and yeah I I played a campaign once that was map based and you had like certain regions on the map that you were located to and you had a starting army and you had a starting um, city and you could uh, conquer neutral territories. These added, like, um, for example, uh, there was like a wizard tower in it, and that meant you could uh, field a, an, an extra wizard in uh, in your army and stuff like that. So you had to get certain limitations to your army, like, say, it was like a 2000 points army, and you were only allowed to bring um, uh, one wizard level two, or maybe uh, just uh, two war machines, and yeah. Things like that, or um, if you if you conquered like a, uh, a mountain a mountain region, you could you could field another unit of uh, of scouts or skirmishes or something like that. Mm-hmm. So um, it kind of um, um, evolved, or your army, or or even several armies you had um, evolved with with the um, with the territory territory you lost or you gained. Yeah. And- and um you it was it was set for a certain um amount of of play rounds. They were working like, okay, you have like to announce a, a move to a to a game master. and then he is moving secretly the armies around on on the on the table and uh, then uh, telling the players, okay now um player X invited your uh, um, territory um, uh, you have to set up a defense now or or stuff like that and then you had like a after game or um after game sequence where you're like okay now let's check um on how many um regions you own are there any special effects coming from that region, stuff like that and it was like maybe i don't know set for 10 rounds or so and after these 10 rounds um all the players were like comparing okay who was the most powerful and I think, yeah, and the most powerful too, like did uh, a big final battle, okay, so cool, something like that, yeah,
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was looking over the, uh, this this past weekend, I was looking over the rules in the fifth edition book for, for running campaigns, and it broke it down into those two, those two types, you know, that the narrative story where you're gonna mm-hmm. a preset, uh, you know. Battle one, two, three, four. Battle four is the the finale, and
4: mm-hmm. one, two,
5: three are going to have effects on that. And yep. then, you know, and then the map base, and um, as I was looking over them, I thought, you know, you could possibly, uh, you know, use some of the best of both worlds here. And
2: mm-hmm.
4: my
5: my idea was, because um, I do like the narrative, uh, a story. Uh, Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, before I I go off on that, let me just say a quick little anecdote. Uh, recently I've been playing some games of more time with a local friend of mine. And Mm -hmm. we played a game most recently, uh, we ended up kind of like starting over. We made some new war bands and, Mm -hmm. and, um, rolled up, uh, the scenario we were going to play and we played the game. And then after it was over, we, uh, you know, did the income and the experience points and all that stuff and it kind of felt a little flat for me okay and I think what happened and it was my own fault it's not nothing had to to do with the the game system itself or uh, it was just that we didn't incorporate any any story to it it was just Mm -hmm. these two two random war bands and they came together and they fought and I couldn't tell I couldn't tell you even what the scenario was that we did yeah um, and what I could tell you is, you know, the funny, random things that happened at the end, where I, you know, my my um, leader was sold into a fighting uh,
3: pit, the pit,
5: and he had, he miraculously beat this uh, pit fighter. And, you know, so that was kind of fun. But I thought, you know, we really should have, you know, tried to make yeah. this more of a of a story yeah. rather yeah, than it's, just mm-hmm. random
3: kind of to embed this battle in in some
5: yeah yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. anyway I'll bring it back to my idea was looking at the uh, hang on I have her right here I'm gonna grab it the um the battle book here it has in the back if I can find it here okay so the rules for the the map based you know we mm-hmm. have the, all these different territories and, mm-hmm. and the benefits from those territories and I think those benefits kind of give you a little bit of a benchmark for uh, what you can expect a benefit to be. Mm -hmm. So, for example, uh, in the in the first section where we talk about campaigns, they give an example of a goblin invasion of uh, the Empire or, or something like that. And mm-hmm. they say that we're gonna have four battles. And the first battle is going to be a scouting
4: mm-hmm.
5: encounter. And there's gonna be some restrictions. So, you know, maybe they yeah. can't use war machines. And then from there yeah. we're gonna to go to a raid, which is gonna uh-huh. be more of a um uh you know, there's gonna be a detector, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then uh we go into ambush and mm-hmm. there, you know, there could be special rules for how to set that up and mm-hmm. You know and then it says here you know we're going to finally have this big battle at the end and then we're going to reference the results of all those previous battles so whoever won the first battle the scouting mm-hmm. battle they're going to yep. have advantage over uh maybe
2: uh, terrain you know being able to
5: yeah. set up terrain yeah. and yeah. whoever had the
0: uh the raid yeah is... the
5: raid was going to you know get some kind of an extra points mm-hmm. allowance for something and mm-hmm. but anyway um so looking at the territory chart it kind of gives you an idea of these are what a balanced benefit might be mm-hmm. you yeah know, where sure, yeah. um you know a, a benefit of you know being able to include uh, a higher point or a higher level wizard or being yeah. able to you know add something that you wouldn't normally yeah. have. Um yeah. so I think that you could using though using that terrain chart uh be able to kind of create a scenario uh knowing that you're not doing something that's you know really uh overpowered or you know yeah. of, um and and then be able to to tie that into you know a story of Mm -hmm. um you know maybe maybe there's um you know both forces have have learned about a a wizard tower in the area you know and you have you you have your train set up and right smack in the middle is this uh tower you know so you have your train Piece that you built, you know, incorporated in, and whoever is able to take and hold that um, that terrain piece at the end of yeah. the battle, you yeah, know, uh, they're going to be able to ha- be able to to loot that and yeah. have access to um, extra their... spell
0: cards or whatever. Right, right, <laughs>
5: right. So, um, yeah, you can. I-, I think turning it into a story. For me this is yeah. for me anyway i think would be more enjoyable definitely more memorable yeah. than just yeah. like look, look on the chart and do what the chart says
3: yeah yeah i
4: mean <laughs> it, it was know, it was
5: quite
3: thing. fun when when we played warhammer quest to have all these random effects like oh, okay yeah that worked fine okay now we're going back to the vill- uh, to the city Ah, uh, there's a pair of goblin riders. Oh, uh, yeah, you get hit over the head. And you lose your most powerful item. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what it is fun, but, but like, uh, it's not so memorable as if if you have like really a game that um um is like revolving around something, revolving around something that that's maybe on the table or yeah, that that's going to be important in a later game and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah I, I'm totally with you there. Yeah.
5: Yeah, I mean, that brings up another point and this just FYI, um, you know, we had played um, Warhammer Quest in the past, you know, and mm-hmm. it got to a point for me anyway, that I felt like we were kind of going through the motions a little bit. And mm-hmm. I then I really thought, okay, let's reevaluate this and see mm-hmm. what can we do to change the way we're doing this to make it a little more memorable, you know, or <laughs> a little more focused and that's when i wanted to to really spec um yeah go specifically into one of those campaign boxes
4: campaigns. you mm-hmm. know
5: and try to link the stories together a little bit yeah. more you know and uh, yeah. and i know from uh, advice that i've heard uh i don't know where i heard maybe it was from thomas himself who mentioned having if you're if you're going to be playing in a multiplayer campaign having some kind of a like a newsletter or Mm -hmm. um a blog or something where you're documenting Mm -hmm. the story and reminding Mm -hmm. players of this is what happened and this is the how it contributes to this bigger Mm -hmm. story that we're telling you know yeah and i because otherwise I am afraid it could just devolve into you know random stuff on a chart and yeah. just you're 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 focused so much on the bookkeeping yeah and you, you can kind of lose sight of the you know the grand story that it's telling yeah
3: yeah yeah that 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 can happen if you don't pay attention that's right yeah
5: yeah <laughs> you know another thing that this is not anywhere in our notes but um a campaign is a great way i think to incorporate the hobby aspect into absolutely yeah and i think uh, two specific things one is uh terrain making and being able to to build a piece of terrain. yeah it's going to be a highlight in in a game and also that beloved um series of articles in white dwarf The tale of four gamers, Mm -hmm. where you can say, Well, let's start off small because all we have are a thousand points, maybe. Yeah. Or 500
3: or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Then we build
5: on, we build on to that. You you could start a campaign with, uh, like you said, uh, playing skirmish. Yeah. Where you might only have 500 points, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And then you build on to that. Or, you know, yeah, I own it, but I haven't painted it yet. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and then, you
3: or, or, or like, or like a tactical squad of, let's say, space wolves. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there you go.
5: <laughs> hint, hint. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm getting. Yeah. I'm in the process of getting a um, uh, a bunker. A, uh, oh, see. A resin bunker. Okay. From, and uh, again, that that ties right into the there's a a bunker mission card that yeah you know could be (laughs) so yeah um I think these are all you know good thoughts about uh campaigns and and you know having fun and making memories and and building a story I think is
3: yeah in my
5: mind the most important thing um
3: basically you can you can do anything with that campaign that you like I mean it's it's all up to you. Like you can you can do the, you can put a lot of effort in it or not so much and still have fun. I mean yeah
5: yeah and yeah. So on a on a side note, this is kind of off topic here, but um, this kind of comes back. I asked you before about your hobby origins, you know, and yeah. you talked about the game club, and yeah. I also have experience with a uh, you know a game club background. And I was just at a uh, my store the other day. I was buying some paint. and um I was thinking to myself,, um, what if this were my local game store when I was mm-hmm. young? and would i would I have grown into the gamer that I am now if i if I started off in a game store like the game store exists today?" Mm-hmm. and i don't think so because my particular game store they're very focused on tournament events
4: mm-hmm. and you look mm-hmm.
5: at the calendar and there are you know mm-hmm. magic tournaments and kilting tournaments and, mm-hmm. and everything is you know you, you you come in at a certain time and mm-hmm. it's it's very busy they're very limited tables mm-hmm. get, you know and you have mm-hmm. to you have to sign up you know to the mm-hmm. tables and you don't know who you're going to play with. And, you you know, you pay yeah. your dues and they organize this and and tell you when your matches are. And if you win, you get a prize. And and to me, that that just seems so stressful, you know, and I don't see and I don't see the environment of. Um, you know, oh, we're just kind of hanging out and getting to know people and building memories and creating yeah. stuff and like look at this thing I built and do we have any ideas for that you know and it um I I think that that is such an important part of the of the hobby and it, it kind of makes me sad to see that for some <laughs> uh certain gamers at least in my area they don't seem to have that
3: yeah I mean yeah to, yeah to each his own I mean some people are really not interested in these things. Like, um for example, just some want to have a competitive game. I mean,
5: I yeah, would. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it, I guess. Yeah, um, that, that's okay. And, yeah,
3: yeah, exactly. Yeah, say so, okay. I mean, I have nothing against uh, some um, sound competition. I have a, I even can play a tournament and enjoy myself there? But, but that's not all about the hobby. I mean, there's more to it, and to some people, it's not. But yeah to me of course it is <laughs> a lot a lot yeah so yeah and yeah i mean we used to play at a game store too w- before we founded the club and it was like uh friday night is uh warhammer night and or it was not night it was like in the afternoon starting at two o'clock until six o'clock so that was like also very neat corridor where you could play your games and like very limited table space. So yeah, and on Wednesday, there was like, like magic night or magic, magic afternoon oh, yeah. and so on. And yeah, these uh, were where just people arrive and set up these, and these, these places tends to go, of course, to be a bit more like, you maybe you play with total stranger. You don't know, you don't want to lose your game because I don't know, just losing um, all the time is no fun so you prepare to prepare for the burst maybe and this is like <laughs> yeah heating up that um um that vicious circle of um having min-maxed armies and stuff like that and in the end you're always having seen the same stuff again and again and again and again
5: yeah right right yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's and it's kind of sad because there are certain um there are certain models that just look so cool but yeah. in like in games terms as far as the numbers go you yeah. know no one plays them because
3: yeah they, because yeah. they might be not so point effective as units yeah, X, yeah. Y, Z that or something yeah
5: but um yeah and campaign,
3: that's also what's great about a campaign yeah exactly you can say like okay now i uh i give you just that and you have to um, get along with this. You can't play the super duper uh, blackguard with two attacks, always strike first, and blah blah blah, yaba yabba, yabba, yaba. Yeah. You have to, you have to do with uh, I don't know, that, um, yeah, fifty zombies and ten ghouls. I don't know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the necromancer with a magic sword. Yeah. <laughs> for example well that sounds good i'll I'll play that game
2: (laughs) yeah it's a a fledgling necromancer you know and
5: that's all he's got
2: yeah
3: (laughs) yeah also like uh, magic items that are like in the army book or in the box set and uh yeah never get used because there's a goofy and right. you can just keep yeah. the, the model with exactly that one, so
5: yeah, because I know that's uh, you know, there are those who use the magic card drafting for that, yeah, reason, you know, yeah, that's
3: also okay. yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah so,
5: uh, it sounds like I might have to try to get some kind of a campaign going here, one way, yeah, you know, whether it be good idea in my local games, just try to bring a little more narration to it or uh you know get some kind of a a um a remote campaign going on. Yeah, I mean I had I had thought about uh the possibility of I have enough um yeah
3: mm-hmm.
5: uh, enough man of war ships I could mm-hmm. probably get something going on here and uh ah,
3: but yeah that's I think is is difficult again to play a campaign with. Well that's the really
5: narrative yeah it is,
3: it is. <laughs> I mean man of war. I mean yeah I, I mean it's it ships
5: I yeah <laughs> and I wouldn't use I don't necessarily like the the campaign rules that came in the in the yeah. game because
3: maybe the odyssey or something I don't know
5: yeah I I, I guess what <laughs> I should say is um i would playing a a series of linked games
4: mm-hmm.
5: um using some fleets and you know some scenarios and try to create a story you know yeah it goes with it but uh yeah I think I think you're right it's a little too zoomed out maybe to to be too interesting seeing that you're you i saw a
3: nice to... table lately of a uh um, it was a war master table with um with a harbor it was like a city with a harbor for man- of warships mm-hmm. really cool and for a war master also.
5: very nice mm-hmm. <laughs> all right well okay. any, any more uh any more campaign thoughts you have before we wrap Ooh,
3: any final words Ooh, enjoy yourself and be creative maybe
5: <laughs> yeah oh and and make sure to to post any and all battle yeah
3: somewhere yeah so that other people can yeah see it, get yeah be inspired
5: by it yes. <laughs> because, um,
4: I want campaigns yeah yes. I get, I get
5: inspired by you know things I see other people uh I know who is it that I have seen a couple guys recently who posted some battle reports and they don't just show pictures of well this is what mm-hmm. happened turn one this is what happened turn two mm-hmm. but it's like the the, the people that are named you know mm-hmm. it, it it kind of it's almost like they're putting um they're telling you what the characters were thinking as they're moving mm-hmm. their forces you know in into position and
3: uh was that thalia's troubles maybe that the i sent to you like the link for youtube
5: no this was just somebody in discord who wrote it ah, like, okay slam even um or uh justin i think also posts some pretty good battle yeah. them, okay so um yeah i, I like hear, you know hearing a little bit of yeah no that other what was that thing that you had linked uh, it's,
3: had, to? T- t- it's called thalia's troubles
5: oh that's awesome i can't yeah, I was, like really really nice
3: very very well narrated and yeah, uh, yeah interesting models and battle reports in between That's that's nice
5: yeah for sure yeah you can <laughs> you can really take your the hobby you know to a next level yeah like yeah, on stuff yeah. like that yeah, yeah it just makes it so, so much more uh enjoyable my I would think so okay well I think we're gonna we're gonna call it a, a yeah so um thanks again for Coming on, chit-chatting about about uh, campaigns, and hopefully you and I can get something going on here soon.
3: Uh, yeah, for sure. Maybe we can we can like inspire ourselves with some old campaigns, like maybe even I don't know, Return of the League Master or stuff like that. <laughs> and you will need not so many models, so that's yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah, because we put we played some you know one-off games before, but it'd be nice to be able to you oh. know. To, tell a story through it so
3: yeah but by the way are there any any 40k um narrative campaigns i do not sure
5: I don't know there probably are I just don't know about them yeah because uh, my experience with 40k is limited to
3: <laughs> yeah, um, mine too yeah
5: uh, and, and you know it's strictly second edition so uh, yeah. I'm sure there's something um I know there are I just don't know I, what, I, what they are
3: I mean the background is is so big. I mean you could do really really a lot there. But yeah, but but as I'm not a a 40k player or not not very much. Yeah.
5: Well, that's the next thing. We'll we'll <laughs> <get to> that. <laughs> we'll start that next.
3: Cool. Okay. So okay. I got well, thanks plan. a lot.
5: And I'll catch you later. Okay. All right, see okay. You. Yeah.
3: See you. See you, Chris. Bye.